Podcast Answer Man, episode number 398. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hi, everyone. Dan Meller here from 48 Days Online Radio. You're listening to the Warren Buffett of podcasting. Cliff understands the wealth of podcasting and is without question the podcast answer man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to helping you take your message, your business, and your life to the next level. That's right, my friends. It does not matter if you are brand new to this online content creating world we live in, or if you've been creating content for many years, there's something we can all do to take everything we're doing in life to the next level. Well, my friends, taking things to the next level is what it's all about for me, and in this episode, I am going to talk a little bit more about this phenomenon of live streaming from our phones. I know I talked about it quite a bit last week, uh, well, the last episode, I should say, Uh, but anyway, I I talked about Meerkat and some of the functionality and and all of that stuff. Well, some things have uh, kind of of morphed and, and... evolved a little bit. There's some some meerkat news as far as some uh, things that Twitter did to take away some functionality and then of course how they've improved their app since then. And then of course Twitter launched its own version of the app that they had been working on and it's called Periscope. So I'm going to talk about the, the new changes made to meerkat. I'm going to talk about my experience with Periscope and interestingly enough, while I'm actually recording this episode of Podcast Answer Man, I happen to be simultaneously streaming uh, this live. I am actually on my iPhone 6 Plus. I have Periscope up and running, and there are folks in the live chat there kind of going back and forth. And then over on my iPad mini with Retina, I happen to have Meerkat up and running and uh, several people over there. And, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Also, I'm going to share my experiences about social media marketing world 2015. Just got back from San Diego, so I'll talk a little bit about that. I'm going to share with you just off the top of my head, no notes prepared whatsoever, but just off the top of my head, my reaction to reading the brand new uh, biography of Steve, jo- Steve Jobs, the unauthorized biography of Steve Jobs called Becoming Steve Jobs. And um, I might even talk about a few other things in this episode. We'll just see how things go. But first, let me just go ahead and talk about Social Media Marketing World 2015. Huge event. This time, I'd say there were just around uh, about 2,000 or so people there. Um, Lots of speakers this year. Tons of speakers. In fact, um, there were more speakers at the event that I look up to as far as experts in the field and industry and and just so many people's brains that you would like to pick. And there's just the speakers alone, I didn't have a chance to connect with all of them that I wanted to. But that's okay, because fortunately for me, I have the ability to connect with these people through other means, and, and there's a lot of people that stay pretty connected in certain circles, so it's, it's pretty cool to be able to connect with them. But man, I'll tell you, never before, I think I may get this completely wrong, but if I had to guess maybe about 100, maybe even 130 speakers uh, at the speaker opening night speaker party that they had and probably only got to network and talk to about 50 or so people there that night. So um, if you went to Social Media Marketing World and your goal is to connect with some of the uh, top people in whatever industry or niche that you're in, whether it be web broadcasting, uh, whether it be social marketing, corporate marketing, uh, you know, whatever whatever industry it is, there they were the top of the top people at Social Media Marketing World. And it was kind of fun to connect with all of those folks. But uh, for me, what I find most exciting is for me to connect with people in my community, people who listen to Podcast Answer Man, people who have taken my podcasting A to Z course, people who have purchased products and services from me. And, and I love hearing their stories about the content that I've created and created and and just how much value it's added to their life and help them take their message, their business, and their life to the next level. So 
I had plenty of opportunity and ample time, amounts of time to network with those folks. The very first night of the party, uh, just like they did last year, they had the uh, they had reserved the oh I think it's the Midway aircraft carrier. Uh, so we were we had this networking party on an aircraft carrier, which is absolutely awesome. And I would say most of the two thousand people were there, and it was just several hours of just networking nonstop. And the very next day, the first day of the conference, they had the opening keynote. And one of the things that I love is right after the keynote, they open up an hour. Before they start all of the breakout sessions, they had an entire hour of networking uh, for folks there as well. And, of course, there's plenty of other opportunities to network with people. And I had an opportunity to have a solo session the first full day of the conference and also a panel session that I did with Michael Hyatt and Pat Flynn and Mark Mason. And, of course, connecting with people right after those sessions, it was just an awesome opportunity. Another thing that I learned about myself a a while ago is that while I do very much enjoy building deeper relationships with people who listen to me online, um, I, I I have learned about myself that I am an introvert. And this this may come as a shock and surprise to many people, but um, I, I very much am an introvert. And I, I never thought that I was until I learned a little bit more about what an introvert is. And it, and the, from what I can understand, I haven't looked all of this stuff up, but from what I understand of an introvert is somebody who really gets energized and, and filled with energy by mostly being alone. You know, that that's how they really, uh, you know, get full of energy. It, it, it energizes them when they're alone and creative and, and stuff like that. Whereas an extrovert can go to a networking party and what really drives them is being connected to a lot of other people, having an opportunity to interact and engage and, and just have these wonderful conversations and that energizes them. You know, meaning that, that, that man, after an networking party for two and a half hours where they've been talking to large groups of people after that they're they're totally jazzed they're totally energized whereas if you put somebody who's an introvert into a large gathering of people and for two and a half hours they've talked to people nonstop, somebody like myself I really enjoy that I I enjoy encouraging others I encourage I enjoy uh what did I say? Encouraging them. I enjoy giving them valuable information. I enjoy giving them advice. I really love that. And I really love hearing the things that people tell me. The, it, what inspire, it inspires me and encourages me to hear so many people say, Cliff, your content has made a powerful, positive impact in my life. That, that really excites me. But it doesn't energize me. What I found is that it, it, it actually is very draining. So after about an, you know two and a half hours of networking in that way, I feel exhausted. I feel like I've, I've been emotionally spent is, is the way that I would communicate it. And so when I go to these events, um, starting back several years ago, I would feel like it was my responsibility to quote unquote always be on at these conferences and that I should never miss any opportunity whatsoever to, you know, to to um, connect with people. I, I should t- make the most of every second. In fact, there's a very popular book out there that I haven't yet read, um, and it's called Never Eat Alone, okay? So the whole idea is that, you know, when, when you go to these conferences, you know, have breakfast with people, have lunch with people, have dinner with people, never eat alone. And, and I know that there's probably a message into that book that really talks about networking, the power of building powerful relationships, and there's all kinds of other things in there. But the title of that book is interesting in that it says, Never Eat Alone. Well, I want to tell you guys that I made it a point, and I, and, and I have made it a point for myself, to make sure that I have the opportunity to eat alone, or at least with maybe one or two very close personal friends, and that's exactly what I did at Social Media Marketing World. So, so many people had emailed me and said, Cliff, can I take you out to lunch? Can I take you out to breakfast? Can I do this? Can I do that? And I said, listen, uh, I'm going to be at the event. I absolutely would love to connect with you, but unfortunately, you know, my my time during breakfast, lunch and dinner, those are those are pretty much already blocked out, but if you have any opportunity where you see me at the event, all you need to do is track me down and stop me and 99% of the time I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing 
And even if I was walking my, you know, getting ready to walk into a session, uh, I will I will stop from going into the session and I will engage with you and talk with you as long as as we have the opportunity to talk. And I did that. And and several, you know, several people took me up on those um, on that offer. So when I go to conferences, I make it a point to to not really rely on attending a lot of the sessions. I, I did get to attend a few sessions this year. Certainly, I have to attend my own, right? And and I do tell, the only time I kind of say, you know, hey, I, unfortunately, I can't talk right now, but I'm on my way to go do my solo session or I'm on my way to go, uh, you know, be a part of a panel session. If you want to follow me, you can come and sit on, on the session. And right afterwards, I'd love to chat with you as long as you like. So, so I make myself available at these things. And I try to go to all the networking parties, but I also have found that, you know what, I'm going to take some time alone. And so uh, for breakfast every morning, this uh, this trip to San Diego, I got up at 5.30 in the morning, was in the gym at 6 a.m., and I had breakfast on my own, quiet until time for the, key, you know, the opening keynote parties uh, or keynote events. Uh, then I did all the networking and stuff like that, and um, when it came to lunch, both days of the full days of the conference, well, first of all, the the first day when I was there, bef- you know, the day before the full conference started, uh, before the speaker party, before the networking party, the opening party of the uh, event, that afternoon I had lunch all by myself, completely by myself, and then the first full day of the conference, I believe I had lunch with Samantha Alford, and she's from Australia, and she happens to be a friend of mine that used to be a part of my podcast mastermind organization. And then uh, the second day, the second full day of the conference, I had lunch with uh, Mark Mason, and he happens to be uh, in my own personal mastermind group, the the Green Room Mastermind Group. So you know, I did have lunch with those guys, but um, pretty much kind of kept it, you know, kind of low low profile. It wasn't like, does anybody else want to walk to Chipotle with us? Just because I needed some downtime and um, and and I got to connect on a much deeper level with those individuals, and then another thing that I did was on the final day of the conference, um, I woke up, did my workout, went to the keynote, um, then I went to John Lee Dumas's uh, session. Um, I had an early lunch uh, during the second session of the day because I stayed on Eastern Time eating's eating zone anyway. And um, that's, I think, when Mark Mason and I, no, was that when Mark and I, I can't remember. Anyway, I went to lunch. And then after lunch, I went back and went to Pat Flynn's session on mastermind groups. And then after that, the rest of the day, it was like, I think Pat was on right before lunch Pacific time. And so I guess it was right around 12 o'clock in the afternoon. I grabbed an Uber and went to the San Diego Zoo and spent the rest of the day at the zoo by myself, uh, completely alone, and I needed it so bad because I was emotionally drained after having done so much networking at this event. And that's the that's the real benefit of social media marketing world in my experience is, yes, there are great speakers there. Yes, there are great sessions, but here's the deal. If you buy a ticket or you have, if you have a, you're, you have attendance, in any way, shape, or form to social media marketing world, they give you the recordings of all sessions. So, you know, you can you can listen to that content anytime you want, but man, make the best opportunity of those networking sessions, at, at networking opportunities, those face-to-face conversations are the most valuable, and that's what I focused on, and I focused on it so much that I needed some time alone, and so spent half the day uh, the, of the last day of the conference at the San Diego Zoo by myself, which was awesome. It was a beautiful. It was beautiful weather in San Diego, uh, and then I came back from after the San Diego Zoo closed at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Then I went back to the hotel and had uh, dinner with a, a good group of people. I think it was Anthony Witt, uh, Matt Miller, Aaron Walker, and Phil Carson, and I think they were all from Nashville, or at least. Half of them were for Nashville anyway. And I know that Aaron Walker and Phil Carson are good friends with Dan Miller and connected with him. And it was just a great time. I just, it was the best experience. Well, actually, you know, that's, that's not fair. Last year was an equally awesome experience at Social Media Marketing World. Um, and, and so, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. And in fact, I'm already looking forward to going back to Social Media Marketing World next year. 
So there we go. But don't be surprised if you if you're seeing me. And it's like, wait a second, everybody else is still at the conference cliff. Why are you out on your own? Uh, it's because uh, I needed a little bit of uh, recharge and relaxation time. And I, I was really starting to feel guilty about it. But then I'm like, no, I this is what I need. I know this about me, and it's it's the only way I'm going to be able to allow myself the freedom to kind of just build up, rejuvenate, and not be completely exhausted when I get back home. So that was social media marketing world. Now, one of the things that I will tell you is that um, the Steve Jobs biography, the new one, uh, Becoming Steve Jobs, came out right before I left for San Diego. It came out the the Wednesday that I was flying out, and I heard about the fact that I could pre-order it the day before on Tuesday, and so I went ahead and pre-ordered it on Audible, and I, ha- I happen to be an Audible subscriber, and I downloaded it on Wednesday morning before I went to the airport, and I listened, gosh, I was probably in, in airports and everything, total of maybe six and a half, seven hours uh, total, and so I listened to about six or seven hours of of becoming Steve Jobs on the way there. In fact, I bought some brand new headphones um, they're they're called they're made from by uh, Plantronics and they're the Backbeat Pro Bluetooth audio headphones and they are amazing. All right, and matter of fact, I think I even created a an affiliate link to this already. Let me just try it out: gspn.tv/backbeat. And uh, yeah, so if you go to gspn.tv/backbeat, you can see these headphones. And I happen to have picked them up in the airport at one of those, you know, electronic stores. So I paid like $250 plus uh, tax. But on Amazon, it, I see that it's a $204. They wouldn't match the Amazon price, but that's okay. It was worth the extra 50 bucks just to have them there. These are noise-canceling Bluetooth headphones. Um, they have a really great dynamic range of audio. The highs are really crisp and high. The mids are perfect, and the lows, it's got a really good clear loud bass and it's noise canceling this is the first time this first pair of noise canceling headphones i've ever actually purchased and it was so awesome to have on the airplane because the the noise of the airplane was almost non-existent and uh yeah so that was nice and of course i used it um used them for working out now these aren't made for working out they're over the ear and stuff like that and i imagine that my sweat's eventually going to break down and and destroy the 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 covers for my ears and stuff like that, but I don't care. I, I I love listening to these headphones when I'm working out on the elliptical or doing cardio work, because um it 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 just has this amazing sound and really gets you into your own little world while you're working out. And uh, I found some great high cardio music. But anyway, I was u- listening to this autobiography of Steve Jobs while wearing these new headphones. Uh, in the airport flying to San Diego. Now, I did not take my headphones, these big gigantic headphones to the zoo with me, but when I was at the San Diego Zoo, I listened to the final five hours worth of the audio version, the audible version of Becoming Steve Jobs while at the San Diego Zoo using just my head, my earbuds. And so my feeling about Becoming Steve Jobs. Now, first of all, I wanna tell you that I wrote, I, I read the Steve Jobs biography by Walter Isaacson as soon as it came out. I ordered it on the Kindle and I read that thing straight through. Um, probably took me several, if I add it all together, probably took me about four or five days worth of uh, reading to get through the Walter Isaacson biography. And I enjoyed that book, uh, don't get me wrong, but I enjoyed Becoming Steve Jobs a lot more. Now, let me give you some background as to why I would say that. First of all, I am a tech enthusiast. I'm a I'm a true geek. Um, I don't subscribe to a lot of news sites and stuff like that, but the news sites that I do subscribe to are all tech blogs. So I'm always reading about the latest breakthroughs and advancements in technology. Um, and it's not just broadcast technology and podcast related. It's just all technology. I love technology. Um, I listen to This Week in Tech every single week. I listen to Mac Break Weekly this, every single week. Those are, and those, by the way, those shows are both in, in excess of two hours every week. So I'm consuming four hours of tech information every week, 
uh, just in audio form, plus reading a lot of tech stories throughout the week and keeping up to date with that. So, and I'm an Apple fanboy, and not to mention an Apple snob, if you will, as well. Uh, in fact, right now, um, somebody asked me, you know, Cliff, what kind of Apple products do you have? I, I have two 27-inch iMacs. I have a 24 and a half or 21 and a half inch iMac. I have two MacBook Pros, two MacBook Airs. I have an i. Our family has, let's see, our family has five iPad Minis, uh, five iPhones. Um, and so it's, it's, it's insane how many Apple products we have here. So we're, we're completely sold out to, to Apple and I'm a huge fan of what Steve Jobs accomplished with Apple in his final days. Now, Walter Isaacson did his biography and I, and it helped to paint a picture that was somewhat already painted for me through all of the reporting that I've heard over the years about Steve Jobs and his personality and how difficult he was to work with and stuff like that. And of course, I've seen the movies, you know, that that portray Steve Jobs. I've seen several biography or uh, documentaries on him, and I saw the, you know, what you know, the movie that came out in the theaters last year or two years ago. So, so I watch all of this stuff, and the the Isaacson book focused so much on Steve Jobs and his earlier years and his really weird habits and and his his personality quirks and his brashness and all of this other stuff. But this new book focuses, it has all of that. It doesn't, it doesn't gloss over any of the not-so-pretty things about Steve Jobs. But it also, this, this book focuses more, has a greater emphasis on, um, or, or I should say an equal emphasis on Steve Jobs' life from the time he went back to Apple uh, and, and all the way through, his de- through to his death. And it focuses more on the things related to technology. Now, the Walter Isaacson was not a technology enthusiast. He was a journalist, and he was writing writing a biography as writing a biography about a person. And I do believe he focused more on the brashness of, of Steve Jobs and not so much on the later part in life where, and this is what Becoming Steve Jobs uh, book did so wonderfully is it pain it didn't it didn't take away it didn't say that G- Steve Jobs finally was able to overcome these kind of you know what some people would say would be personality flaws and never says that he outgrew those things or anything like that but there were some things where he did grow in personal development and how he was able to achieve and and manage so many of those things and he was and he was very uh, very much a a very sensitive person. One of the things I got out of this book more than than anything else I've read or seen of seen Steve Jobs in the past was how much of a family man he was. Uh, you wouldn't get that from a lot of other places, and certainly this book doesn't even cover up the you know his his um, refusing that he even you know his his paternity of Le- his daughter Lisa, but it does talk about how later in life how he he made an attempt to make that. Uh, make her a part of the family and and you know maybe not to the success that that either of them would have wanted but the the fact is is that the other children that he has just how much emphasis he spent on them and also how clearly focused he was on what he would say yes to and what he would say no to and and just how that served him extremely well and so what I got from reading Walter Isaacson's book and all the other materials I've ever seen is that after Steve Jobs' death, so many people were quick to point out, it's like, listen, this guy may have been wildly successful in many people's eyes, but he's certainly not someone to look up to. He's not some, He's not a hero that you would want to mimic and stuff like that. And you know what? I would say that that after reading Becoming Steve Jobs, uh, what, what I would say is after reading the Isaacson biography, I would probably lean towards saying those things as well. I, well, I wouldn't want to be like him, but you know that I you know I do recognize so, so so many things that he's been able to accomplish. But I will tell you, there's there are some qualities of Steve Jobs that comes out in the becoming Steve Jobs biography, and it really does um, you know it it does paint a better picture of Steve Jobs as a human being than Walter Isaacson or any other biography that I've ever seen or talk you know heard of. So if you are on the fence about reading this new book. 
Becoming Steve Jobs. And by the way, Becoming Steve Jobs will give you a lot more insight into the inside baseball of the technology and selling of companies and merging with Disney and and stuff like that. And this new book, Becoming Steve Jobs, is co-authored by two people, but it's written in the first person by one guy who was actually... um, who was pretty close to Steve Jobs. It's funny, I listened to Leo Laporte and the other uh, hosts of Mac Break Weekly, and these guys were all giving their thoughts and feelings on uh, becoming Steve Jobs, but the reality was is that none of them had finished reading it yet. And so they were wondering, does this guy really know him? And and one of my favorite stories was about how the guy, the, the one of the authors of this book uh, had become sick, and Steve went out of his way to go visit him in the hospital, made sure to talk to the hospital, make sure he had the best treatment possible. Um, and and it, there were a couple other things like that where, where Steve Jobs would go out of his way uh, and above and beyond, especially for anybody that worked at Apple, um, to, to make sure that they were well taken care of. Th- this guy was a guy who, for the first time after reading this book, I, I see that he genuinely and deeply cared for the people that that were a part of his team. So anyway, Becoming Steve Jobs, absolutely awesome book. Love it, highly recommend it. Alrighty, next up, um, you know, I wanna talk to you about this Meerkat and stuff, but before I do that, let me just share with you real quickly. Um, I don't know if this is interesting to you guys. I personally do not use direct messages in in Twitter. In fact, I, 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 tip, I intentionally don't follow a lot of people because the most of the people who I follow on Twitter know that I prefer to receive email above a private message in in uh, Twitter. So I don't I don't get direct messages a lot from people because um, anytime I do, I say, hey, if you wouldn't mind in the future, could you please email me instead of using a direct message? And then I usually delete them. And I don't know if you know this, but if you delete a message in uh, your, a direct message that somebody sent you, it completely removes that direct messages uh, out of their system and your system, unless you have a system that caches it. But anyway, um, I don't use direct messages, but one of the things I did notice when I logged on to the web, web version of Twitter this week was that um, Twitter now allows you to do direct messages or private messages uh, in groups. So now you could go in and say, at least on the web version, you can go in and click on to send a direct message and you can type in people's names and choose several several people to be in that direct message. So it's hidden from the, the public timeline, but all of you can share that private message together. Kind of like just having a group text chat. Um, I don't know if that's of interest to you guys, something that I noticed this week, but uh, I thought I would share that with you. So now what I'm going to do is I want to give you a breakdown of what I've noticed about Meerkat since the last time I broadcasted or recorded an episode here and talk to you about Meerkat and also talk about Periscope. So let's start with Meerkat first. First off, um, the big news after I reported on Meerkat uh, in the previous episode, one of the things that people were starting to instantly share with me was news stories reporting that Twitter had yanked the access to the social graph from Meerkat, meaning that they no longer could, um, well, a lot of people didn't know what that meant. A lot of people thought that meant that Twitter was making it to where people could no longer sign in with Twitter. A lot of people thought that this was going to mean that, you know, the chat functionality using Twitter was going to be broken and stuff like that. None of that was the case. I think pretty much everybody is aware of that now because Meerkat still pretty much functions just as great today as it did the first day with the exception of one thing and the missing social graph. So what happens is all of us who signed in to Meerkat using our Twitter ID before uh, Twitter yanked the social graph, what happened was uh, when you logged in with Twitter, automatically all of the people who are following you and all of the people that you are following got pulled into the app so that if all of a sudden somebody that you're following signed up with uh, Meerkat, you instantly are notified. And um, that's that. That was the that's what the social graph allowed Meerkat to do was to take all of your followers or all the people you're following and bring that into their app so that you're quote unquote following them in a way inside of Meerkat. 
So now if somebody today were to fire up Meerkat for the very first time, it's not instantly going to have access to all the people that you follow on Twitter. So they don't get to see your social graph, if you will. So, you know, but the reality is, is that you can still um, open up Meerkat today for as a brand new user, first time ever, and you can still cl- um, click on people's live streams that you see tweeted in your stream that you're following, and then you can um, click on it and open it in the app, and then you can choose to follow those people, and from that point forward, you'll still be able to uh, connect with them. So, you're still following those people on Twitter, and... When you go live on Meerkat, it's still sending out a tweet to all of your followers, and it, it it it's almost as good. Obviously, there is some there is a benefit to having the the so the social graph and instantly having all those people. You know, people that sign up today who I'm following, I'll get notified because I my you know meerkat already knows that i connect, i'm connected to those people i'm following them on twitter so you probably want to see what's going on with those people here in meerkat so uh let's see here that so that's that's one thing that happened they took away the social graph the other thing that happened on meerkat is they've updated their application to 1.1 they may have even done another little version update since then uh but this 1.1 was a pretty significant update uh, for example, one of the things that you can do on Meerkat now is when you type in the chat, when you bring up the chat box, there's a little toggle that says, don't tweet this comment. So now you can actually choose not to, I'm going to type in test here, and I and I just put that into Meerkat. Anyway, what happens is you can actually say, you can turn it off so that when I, I, I am chatting with people inside of Meerkat, it's not actually going out to my Twitter stream, if you will. And I'm glad that they turned that functionality off. Now, I believe it's still turned on by default, but um, uh, yeah, you can at least now have the ability to have tweet, have uh, text conversations, chat conversations with people inside of Meerkat and not have it kind of just fill up your tweet stream on Twitter, if you will. I think that is a, um, a great improvement. Another thing is, is that um, prior to this update, I noticed that the recordings, when you actually are on Meerkat and you hit stop, you have the ability to save that to your um, camera roll and it will save that video. And one of the things that I noticed is the video was just unusable. Uh, the, the, the audio was way out of sync with uh, the video. Completely unusable. So now with the update, I do notice that the you know, it actually keeps a pretty decent update, uh, or a, a video copy. Now, Meerkat, like we said before, does not have the ability for you to upload it to their servers in any way, shape, or form. You know, you're li- when you're live, you're live, and when you're not live, there's nobody can see it. But you can take the recording now, and you could take it and upload it to a, any service out there that, that hosts online video. So you could upload it to Facebook. You could upload it to YouTube. And I'm sure there's a ton of other services out there. In fact, I heard somebody mention something about one that's specifically for Meerkat and, uh, you know, that somebody developed. But anyway, uh, at least you now have the ability to save the video recording of your broadcast to your camera roll and camera roll. And it is actually something that's usable. Um, And then, of course, also the other issue that I had with Meerkat previously is when people loaded up your web version when they clicked on if they did if they were seeing your tweet that you're live on your computer if they pulled it up before it would fill up this entire screen and the only way for them to be able to see the the right uh, aspect ratio of your your vertical upright um, video was they had to actually shrink down the size of their browser all the way down to as small as thin as it can be, uh, and then it would actually show the way it's supposed to. And it was it was not great. Um, but now they've actually kind of got this forced perspective, if you will, and uh, it's a little bit better. So I, I actually ha- like that as well. So Meerkat is still going well. A lot of people worried that uh, Meerkat was going to go away as soon as Twitter's official app that does pretty much the same thing came along but the good news is that um, Meerkat is still there and it and it's still pretty popular and in fact I see I see Meerkat in my community being used more than I do Periscope 
Now, let's talk about Periscope for a little bit. Um, I have written down some notes here that I wanted to share. Uh, first of all, I like that it does have continued integration with Twitter. So your social graph is there. So when somebody, uh, let's just say all of these people out there who follow me, who have already downloaded the Periscope app, well, because they're following me, uh, as soon as I go live, it instantly sends them a push notification if they didn't turn off push, push notifications. So one, earlier today, I fired up um, Periscope and instantly had 35 people on the live, live stream. So that's that's pretty nice to to know that you know the, the social graph is still working in our favor over there on Periscope. I think it's kind of a bonehead. Well, it, it makes sense that they would take it away from from Meerkat to to kind of protect their own investment in Periscope. But uh, anyway, you 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 can think whatever you want about that. Uh, one of the things that I don't like about Periscope is the chat messages disappear. So for example, I see over here on Meerkat. Um, I, I, I see that on Meerkat, I can actually scroll to see every single uh, chat message that has been posted since I started this live stream. Whereas on Periscope, you get 10 seconds to see what they have chatted and then it disappears forever. There's no way for you to ever see what those people say, except for one thing I'll tell you about, and, and I'll go ahead and share it now. Um, if you upload if your if your video uploads to the periscope server after it's finished after you stop your broadcast it actually will play when it plays back the video it plays back the chat also so you actually get to see the chat uh, again so you can actually uh, wait till your video is uploaded play it back and then you can see all those chat messages if you can read them all within 10 uh, seconds of them popping up on the screen interestingly though just like Meerkat, Periscope also allows you to save the video to your camera roll. But here's the thing. It does not show you the chat messages in the recording that's saved to your camera roll. So the, the video is just the video of you. The chat messages aren't there. So I guess what's happening is um, Mir or Periscope is actually um, timestamp archiving these chat messages on their server, and when they get the video from you, they just overlay it on the playback. So it's actually not being recorded. You're not getting the chat messages is, is the thing. And that's kind of a bummer because now, you know, I, I, was, I thought it would be cool if I could actually record uh, the Periscope and it has those chat bubbles up on the screen and then you could actually, sh you could upload that to YouTube or Facebook or whatever and people could read the, the things that you're responding to. So, I, you know, it is what it is. Uh, let's see here. I do like the ability to tap on the screen to give hearts. So that's one thing that, that um, oh, you know, I, I just double tapped and that flipped my camera. But anyway, the folks that are watching on Periscope right now, if they wanted to, they could just tap on the screen a couple times and it, and it has these little tiny hearts that flutter up through the screen. And it's a way for, quote-unquote, showing some love. In fact, somebody's doing that for me right now, and it just filled up my screen with little purple hearts. And that just says, hey, you know, I, I really like what you're saying right now. This is really cool. It's kind of like, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's just a, it's a cool little way of interacting without the need or the, the requirement of typing in a message. You know, it's kind of like on Facebook, you have to click like, well, on on Periscope, you just tap the screen a couple times, and you're and you're showing that you like what's being said right now, or what what's being shared right now. So I I really like that, and um, Periscope or in Meerkat does not have that. All right, now let's see here. Periscope also has the ability to hide chat messages altogether, so you can see the full screen. So if you do not want to actually see you know, now in Meerkat on your phone, depending on how big your display is, um, you know you you actually have some stuff that shows at the top. It shows you the people that are logged in, and then at the bottom, you know, probably one third of the screen is the chat messages that are all going across the screen, and then you really have enough window. You have to, you know, you just have this like little square section where you you need to be in the certain screen. And anything that's below that is being covered up by the chat. You know, it's just overlaid over top of it. Well, on um, on Periscope, 
you swipe to the right, and then there's a little button there that says hide chat. And if you do that, then you can click that, and then now you can actually see the entire screen, full screen, which is very nice. So if you don't wanna see the chat, and by the way, there I'll talk about chat in just a minute, but if you don't wanna see what's going on with all the people, who what's being said as the live stream is going on, you wanna actually see everything on the screen that that's viewable uh, within range. Like for example, I was following some people the other day walking through Hong Kong, and I really enjoyed seeing the the markets there and stuff like that. And that's one where you know you didn't need to see the chat. You you mostly are there to see what was actually being shared on the screen. So you can hide the chat. I like that functionality. All right. Um, another thing that I don't like about Periscope. I don't now at least on Meerkat. If I am the streamer, I'm the broadcaster. I have the ability to write a text, just a chat message, just like everyone else in Meerkat. Whereas with Periscope, I do not have the ability to type in a chat message. This is a massive setback, in my opinion. Now, obviously, you might well think, well, gosh, Cliff, you're the streamer. So you read the messages, that, that's the audience, and you respond to them by talking. Well, I'll give you a perfect example of when this doesn't work. So the other day, I was streaming um, so, something where I, yeah, I was at an event, um, Dan Miller was up on stage and I, I decided I was going to just share just a little bit of his session. And so I, I turned on the live stream and people were asking questions and, you know, I'm in a room that I didn't want to talk. So I, I did, you know, I would chat back and I would answer their question. And as a result of not being able to do that, these people were asking questions and they're getting nothing from me. And the reason why is because, well, it wasn't appropriate for me to be talking at that time. So that was just one example of, of when it didn't quite work out. Um, and, you know, I could see a, a couple of places where you would like to have the ability to, to be able to type in a message and not actually have to speak what you wanted to say in response to your audience. So no ability for the streamer to actually engage in the chat messages. That's a kind of a bummer. All right, in Periscope, I noticed that by default, they will promote your live stream to all the users who open the app. So basically, when you first open up Periscope, the first thing that you see is a bunch of streams uh, that are currently live. And um, you can choose to watch somebody else's live stream that happens to be going on. Even if you're not connected to them in any way, shape, or form on Twitter, they just happen to be live. And, and as a result, they're public streams so they list them, all their live public streams. Now, Ustream did this as well, and they probably still do. Um, and um, Meerkat, I noticed, by the way, is now also um, you know, giving you the option of seeing some live streams from other people that you're not connected to. So you could, you could see what's going on there. Or maybe they are people that you're connected to. I don't know. Um, but anyway... Uh, one of the things what I th this can be good, you know. Obviously, it gives me some, you know, a little bit of exposure to some people that maybe don't know who I am, don't follow me yet, uh, and all of a sudden they could come into my live stream and and say, "Oh, this is pretty cool. I'm going to follow this Cliff Ravenscraft guy." Well, it could have another effect. It could have a bunch of trolls that are just out there, and all of a sudden they're just finding you and, and they say all kinds of rude and nasty things. Now, for me, I don't I haven't found this to be too much of an issue. But unfortunately, I have seen some younger ladies, and let's just say anywhere between, you know, 15 years old and even all the way up to like 20, 25 years old, and you, you put two young girls on uh, Periscope and put them on the front page of this app, and it is unimaginable the disgusting things that some of these people will say in the chat room to those to those people, and it's extremely unfortunate. Uh, and so, so this ability, so basically, what happens is they don't have the ability to say, you know, what I only want to, I want to fire up Periscope, and I only want to be uh, streaming, or I only want to notify the people who follow me. I don't want to be listed on the front page. Well, um, Brendan Clancy who happens to be somebody who follows me on uh, Twitter and, and follows Podcast Answer Man, uh, told me inside of Periscope today that there is, the uh, there is um, when you first start the app and you're getting ready to stream, there is a lock icon. 
Now, if you click this lock icon, you can do what's called a private stream. Now, here's the deal though. A private stream will not tweet out to your followers. That's that's a huge drawback. I I you know I'm sure if 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 there is somebody out there who wants to avoid just the open troll world of all these people, but they still want to be able to have the people who follow them get the you know these notifications. It, it would be nice to be able to have a public thing that's just not promoted to everybody who loads the app. If I mean. However, this lock icon, for example, what it does is it gives you a private stream and it's not broadcasting it. It's not going to put it on the front page of the app as an option for people to view. It's not going to tweet to your stream at all. And unfortunately, what it does is it pulls up a list of all of your followers. And what you can do is you can choose to invite or to send push notifications to individuals who follow you but right now you have to choose them manually one at a time now i agree with brendan hopefully in a very future and near update uh they're going to give you the ability to select all the people who follow you and send them a push notification and i'm sure that push notification is only going to go out to the people who actually are using the app who have the app and have push notifications turned on so i'm not so crazy about that but um you know i haven't experienced a huge troll problem uh, with Periscope yet, but I have seen plenty of people who have. And unfortunately, you know, you know, young ladies seem to get it. And also, there, there, the stream that I was telling you about before, the Hong Kong, it was, it was amazing the number of idiots who were sitting there going on and on about why are there so many Asians and so many negative things written about. It's like seriously, you know, so. I don't know. In a way, I think it can be cool to have that exposure right there on the main screen. In another way, I'm not sure that it's it's that great. So, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. The next thing is I like the okay. So I like the fact that the app up. Okay, the Periscope. The app will upload as soon as you stop the broadcast. Yes, you have the ability to save it to your camera roll. But it does have this ability to instantly it starts uploading it to the I guess the Twitter or Periscope servers. Now, from what I understand, these playbacks are only available for a period of time. Now, I may I think I heard that from Father Roderick, uh, and and the thing I think I heard was 12 hours. So I don't know if it's not going to be there after 12 hours. Uh, but if you want to actually see. Uh, it will go back and see all of those chat messages that were said while you didn't get a chance to see them all while they were live. Then you have to let that video upload to their servers and watch it from their servers to be able to get that. Because again, those those chat messages are not saved in the video that's saved to your camera roll. All right. Um, so let's see here. Periscope. Oh, and both of the apps, Meerkat and also Periscope, both of them when you use your front-facing camera, they refuse to flip your vi- your um, they refuse to flip the uh, the video mirrored. So basically, everybody who's watching your live stream, all text is backwards or reversed. So the only way they can see things properly is and, and this is a little tip for those of you who are watching now on Meerkat and on Periscope. You guys, if you just hold this up to a mirror and look at it through a mirror, everything will be fine. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, there's that. And then one last thing, Jeremy Shandani, he actually said um, he found an alternative in the Google Play Store to Meerkat and Periscope, and it's called Tarsi, T-A-R-S-I-I. He says it's almost identical. And I've never tried Tarsi. Tarsi. I've never looked to see if it was there but Jeremy says that there is an app that you guys can use on your Android to stream out as well. <sighs> so that, my friends, is what's been going on in my world here at the Podcast Answer Man Studios. Uh, this week, I had uh, been taking the week off. I, I got back from San Diego last week, last weekend, and uh, came home, and my kids were on spring break this week. So this week I've been doing tons of family stuff with them, not doing lots of, not doing very much work at all. Basically just maintaining inbox zero and and a few accounting things with Stephanie. 
Uh, but other than that, just been kind of taking it easy, enjoying spring break with the family. I uh, decided to come down here, record this week's episode of Podcast Answer Man. Um, this next coming week, um, I actually have one week before I have to leave town again. I'm getting ready to go to Las Vegas for a week for New Media Expo. I actually have to spend Monday through Friday of this week. I've got five days to come up with a complete talk from beginning to end. Now, I do have the title and I have a description that I've already submitted, but the actual talk itself, the the meat of what I'm going to say, the 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 insights that I'm going to share, uh, the slides that I need to show, uh, and and the wording that I'm going to, the stories that are going to uh, facilitate me sharing that valuable information. All of it from scratch has to be built and developed, and I'm going to start that Monday. Um, and yeah, so that's that's pretty much what I'm going to be doing most of the week. I've got some other things, some other minor projects that need to happen uh, before I leave for Vegas. Uh, but that's what my next week is. And also, I need to uh, start reaching out to folks who are on what's called my warm follow-up list for podcasting A to Z. Just a real quick reminder that my next podcasting A to Z session starts May 25th. So it's about, um, well, it well, actually, it's about, um, it's under two months away. How's that? Rather than pulling up my calendar. But um, if you are interested in podcasting A to Z, and you want to participate in this next session on May 25th, I highly encourage you to get in now. So far, there are six people signed up, and I know that uh, I met a few people at Social Media Marketing World that had told me that they are definitely going to be signing up, so I expect that they'll be signing up here within the next week to two weeks. Um, I'm getting ready to go to New Media Expo. I know that some folks that I'll meet there will sign up for podcasting A to Z, and I currently have about 35 people on my warm follow-up list. Now, there are six people already paid for and registered, and there are only 30 students that are going to be able to get into this session of Podcasting A to Z. So if you are interested, head over to podcastinga2z.com. Podcastinga2z.com. I'd love to work with you. If you have any questions after seeing all the information on that page about the course, feel free to email me, cliff at podcastanswerman.com. Dot com. And uh, with that, I think that's pretty much it. I'm not going to play any music here at the end. I'm just going to play this little clip to, to send us on our way. And I will be back next week uh, before I head out to Las Vegas. I hope to see you there. Until next time, my friends, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Podcast. Add some man.